Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Any good stories from the road? And pipe up. I wish we'd gotten seen a little bit more out of our punter. I'm starting to puke. It makes my stomach hurt. Yeah. I thought he was going to die. I'm starting to throw up in my mouth a little bit. He's on the probiotics. Is Georgia playing the 1985 Bears this weekend or what? A lot of Todd, Todd, Todd talk. Rat poison proof. They're mon geese. We will not be hunted at the University of Georgia. I can promise you that. The hunting that we do will be done from us going the other direction. Well... Here we are, guys. We got the 2024 Georgia opponents list. Let's just dive right into it, not waste any time. And I like that our graphics team at On3 uh, kind of pitted the 2023 schedule up against the 2024 schedule. So you can really get a sense of how much tougher this is going to get. Uh, if you're listening on audio on podcast, I'll just read it out to you. 2023. UT Martin, Ball State, South Carolina, UAB, all at home. At Auburn, Kentucky at home. At Vandy, Florida and Jacksonville. Missouri at home, Ole Miss at home. At Rocky Top and at Georgia Tech. Pretty manageable. 2024, these are just the opponents. We don't know the dates yet. Clemson, we know that one. First game of the year, neutral site in Atlanta. UMass at home. These are all the home opponents, okay? Georgia Tech at home, Tennessee Tech at home. So that's your non-conference opponent schedule. Here is where it gets juicy and really freaking hard. Florida in Jacksonville, Auburn at home, Mississippi State at home, Tennessee at home. And then the road slate is just brutal, guys. Alabama in Tuscaloosa is the closest road trip. Then you uh, also go to Kentucky. You play at Ole Miss in Oxford and you play at the newcomers, Texas, in Austin. What a stretch, fellas. I don't, I don't, I'm telling you right now, um, for us as reporters and guys that cover this team, <laughs> it's fantastic to see the games that, that George is going to have that season. Now, we got to figure out logistics. And as Jake said on our, our group text, what's crazy, the shortest, I believe the shortest distance for a game, away game, would be Tuscaloosa. So you look at this, Georgia's going to play five games um, on the road there uh, with that, that Florida game in Jacksonville. So, man, Austin, Bama, Ole Miss. Ole Miss was the one that, you know, I, I called Jake Rowe earlier, and we, we put together some sources and kind of figured that one out uh, kind of late in the afternoon. And, when I found out they were going to Ole Miss on top of what they had, whew, makes it to another level. Uh, sneaky game, Ole Miss, but obviously the headliners will be at Alabama, at Texas. And the Georgia fans on Dogs HQ, on our message board, I think you guys kind of get the pulse. You see Twitter talk. Why did Georgia have to go back to Alabama after they went 2020, even though that was a COVID season? Uh, you know, the, it, wasn't a, it wasn't a full – you didn't get Brian Denny on steroids like you will in 2024, <laughs> but uh, 
you know, Georgia going back there, you think of that about that Vanderbilt game they lost in 2020. So kind of trying to erase the memory of that 2020 COVID season, but Georgia is going back to Alabama and guys, uh, it's going to be an absolute loaded. And I think uh, Wes used the right term there. Brutal 2024 schedule. And the one thing, man, I'll say about all of it is I was sitting there watching it, and as they flashed through every team, I, I caught myself saying, oh, that's that's hard. Oh, that that's hard. You know, it's the addition of two, you know, when the addition of two teams to the league in, in Texas and Oklahoma, um, two good teams, two marquee teams, uh, two good programs. I mean, Texas hasn't really won a whole lot significant in a long time, but – you know, you look at that game on the schedule and on paper, it looks tough almost every year. And uh, the, all of those schedules look really tough. I mean, I, I don't know why Georgia's having to play at Alabama. I just know it's not some crazy widespread conspiracy. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's one of those things where I, I just either I don't care enough or I'm not smart enough, probably the latter, uh, to figure that out, you know, to figure out exactly why. Um, you know, that, that had to happen that way. I mean, I know why tech, why tech Alabama couldn't play Texas, um, because they're playing them back to back years already. Um, you know, they're not going to let them play a third year in a row, uh, to do that. So that's why Georgia's not getting that, you know, Oklahoma game that it's missing this year. Uh, but you know, I mean, there are some good games on there. There's some fun games on there. I think the big storyline for me is not Texas. It's not Alabama, although I'm looking forward to both of those games. Kirby gets to go get some vengeance. He gets to go get some revenge on his first loss as a head coach in Oxford, Mississippi. Well, um, a, you know, he gets to they took one that day. Yeah, they, they took uh, one, a big one. So yeah, they took one. The the only team that Kirby hasn't beaten in the SEC, and that's Ole Miss. And yeah, obviously he'll have a shot at that this year um, in Athens. But man, I mean, like we've said and, and has been said, was said on the show, will be said a million times between. <laughs> Now in 2024, that is a brutal schedule, and it's a brutal schedule away from home. Um, Greg McElroy pointed out the five opponents that Georgia plays away from Sanford Stadium. Um, heck, if you want to include Clemson in there too, uh, you know, but the five SEC opponents, they went 40 and 25 this past year. That's a really good record. That includes an 11 and 2 Alabama. Eight and five Texas, eight and five Ole Miss, seven and six Kentucky, and then a Florida team who did go under five hundred, but it's Florida. I mean, you expect them to be a perennial power in the SEC. Um, you know that those are not cakewalks uh, that, that Georgia's walking into. Uh, you know, any road game in the SEC is going to be tough. Uh, it's it's certainly tough when you've got a target on your back like Georgia will have and does have. Uh, but man, when you play opponents like that too. It just makes it that much more difficult. And I there's know, a, I a question for you. Know, y'all, all three of y'all maybe can answer this. Is 2024 the year the SEC goes to the ABC 8 o'clock primetime game? Yes. 2024, yeah, that's when that happens. And, Ro, you and I were talking earlier. I was wrong. The mm. CFP expands in 2024, too. Yeah. So it all goes down in 24, baby. It's like Jack Yeah, and, and, and ultimately, yeah, that they, they will get the ability to have that eight o'clock game. They, they'll do whatever they want to with it. But you can bet you can bet Georgia, Texas, Georgia, Alabama, those are gonna be seven o'clock local kicks. Um, yeah, both of those games are gonna be eight o'clock Eastern ABC, no doubt about it. Um, yeah, and then we've Go got ahead and write uh, the story. Jamil Ficklin over here reminding us, not to mention Georgia opens with Clemson and Who's, who's to say that in 2024 
uh, Brent Key and Georgia Tech don't have things humming a little bit better than what they do right now. I'm not ruling anything out uh, in this schedule other, you know, outside of UMass and Tennessee, uh, Tennessee Tech. What's up, Mountain Jake? Welcome in to the Thunderdome talking about this 2024 opponent list. You know, there's a lot of debate about why Georgia gets Bama on the road, why they get Texas on the road. Look at what Bama's doing too, though. Bama goes to Oklahoma, and that really made me realize I think the SEC, it's not really me just thinking, I think it's pretty clear. The SEC wants to put its banner programs right now, which are undeniably Georgia and Alabama, uh, in 2024, we'll see if that's still the case. LSU may have something to say about it. Uh, Tennessee thinks it will. We'll see. They're sending their banner programs right now on the road to play the newcomers, to welcome Texas and Oklahoma to the league. And, yes, it is absolutely about money because that is must-see TV right there and all the storylines that go along with it. And, obviously, Bama will have obviously uh, uh, come off of the home-and-home with the Longhorns. So I'm juiced, man. I can't wait to see it. It's a big night. My eight-year-old is downstairs right now watching our show on her little iPad. So you know it's a huge night <laughs> on the when my eight-year-old, hello, Miss Kennedy, downstairs. So uh, Kennedy, thank you for boosting our numbers. Everybody, hey, she said, Dad, can I can I subscribe? I said, absolutely, you can subscribe. She hits her little iPad and she, we got it. Already is it? She's already in, man. So she, I'm raising her right, but – uh, obviously, this is going to dominate the talk. Um, I'm interested. Let me ask you guys a couple questions. One little curveball here. One or two of you answered this. If there's possibility of coming out with the best case scenario schedule, who you guys think got one? Um, off the top of my head, from what I saw live, I didn't see every single team's schedules, but I think LSU has a pretty manageable conference yeah. schedule from what i saw i don't know who their out of conference team will be in 2024 yeah. but um if i'm not kelly came out yeah. looking pretty good i think if i'm not mistaken they've got usc and ucla for that year yes um, yeah so they they did i mean that was one that they pointed to um you know they, they avoided the word easy used the word manageable um but i think that getting oklahoma and getting alabama by you know all, all means the two toughest teams that they will play, getting them at home, and then a, a again, manageable road schedule where you're going to Florida, Texas A&M. Um, South Carolina. South Carolina and Arkansas, I believe, are the ones. Uh, that I mean, those are four teams that you wouldn't – if you were tiering the SEC, you probably wouldn't put any of those four teams in, in the first tier, and, and a couple of them probably wouldn't even be in the second. I don't know. It wasn't Georgia. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Georgia. I mean, right, that's uh, <laughs> Georgia. Georgia's always tough, but I don't know. I don't. I don't. I mean, the thing about it is, like, in seeing those Georgia and seeing the Georgia schedule and seeing the Alabama schedule and seeing the Texas schedule, the Oklahoma schedule, I was like, man, like, this is stacked for everybody now. I mean, like, it's the, this is this is kind of balls out stuff. Like, they're going for it here. Like, yeah. they they are swinging wide and. I, I I credit the SEC, and like you said, they're welcoming the newcomers, kind of with the uh, the big dogs, and and maybe uh, you know uh, a, a humility check, uh, perhaps when you walk through the door. Uh, but you know, it's I don't know, it's it's a tough. I don't know. I like I said, I don't think in the way that it's structured now, without the divisions, 
that anybody just got uh, a cakewalk anymore. No, it's too tough of a league to think yeah. that anyone just got off easy. And it's not like you're just playing the East anymore, right? Like, I mean, the East has been down for a couple of years and there's been like kind of one dominant team. West has had, you know, at varying times, uh, Alabama and LSU. Uh, Auburn's been good at, at points throughout that as well. And, uh, you know, Ole Miss had a few years. Miss State had that one run with Dak Prescott. And so, I mean, there's been some uh, Arkansas on the rise there. So that they've sort of been more competitive. But I think now that that wall's down, I don't, I don't think that this is, uh, you know, a gimme for anybody at this point. Yeah, it's tough to really compare them if they're not just sitting there side by side. I agree with Wes. I thought LSU, you know, had one of the more favorable-looking deals there was. Uh, Texas, Rusty and I talked about that for a brief minute on the phone. Texas kind of has, you know, it's got some it's got some of its toughest games at home, which now matters, which is, you know, kind of now matters in, in that regard. Um, I will say this, though, you know, looking at this, I know it's not always going to be this way, um, but, man, it sure would be nice for Georgia for that Florida game to be a home-and-home this year uh, of all the years with the three SEC home games um, and and Clemson being a neutral site game. Uh, You know, I I think this year's home schedule is marginally better, but if Georgia fans want to gripe about anything, that's their gripe right there is Auburn, Tennessee, Mississippi State at home. Uh, you know, you get Georgia Tech at home, UMass, Tennessee Tech. It's not a awful home schedule. I've seen worse um, this year, but um, you know that that's where kind of the I think the gripe is. But ultimately, I, I feel like the all these people want to put this on Josh Brooks and they want to put this on other things. No, folks, the SEC ain't listening. Okay, no. the SEC no. is not accepting phone calls and your preferences <laughs> in this thing. Uh, it's a very powerful league, very powerful league, and it hasn't, okay? It didn't accept phone calls in, in 2012 when Georgia had to go play Auburn back-to-back. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not accepting calls. They listen to Auburn, it seems like. Yeah, well, they did with the they did with the moving – I'm sure they did with the moving the game from there, but Georgia had to agree to that. I mean, I, I have a hard time believing Georgia couldn't have dug its heels in and stopped that and – Listen, the AD at Georgia hadn't had a whole lot of, to do with scheduling ball games in a while. Okay, let's just let's just call that what it is. The, the the man making the big paycheck is is got the final say on what gets scheduled. Yeah, I love how the AD becomes the pinata when something goes wrong or awry in the scheduling process. Um, well, at least I, Georgia I, hangs on to Auburn, which a lot of people were concerned about coming into this that Georgia wasn't going to see Auburn in twenty twenty four. You keep the Deep South's oldest rivalry alive, and you get Tennessee. You get to hold on to who I think in the modern era, and I think for you know recent memory, I think Florida, Auburn, and Tennessee are the three teams that any Georgia fan would want to stay on the schedule. And we'll see what happens in twenty twenty five. Yeah, let's talk about that. In Lexington, Kentucky. What's that? Go rack up the Kroger fuel points in Lexington, Kentucky. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, that's right, in the, the frozen food section there. I love um, it. Let's talk about what Georgia fans love and what they hate about this schedule. You touched on what they hate. They hate how tough it is, obviously. Uh, they hate that you're going to Alabama when it should be a return trip. But I think there's a lot to like about this, too, not just for us in the media. And I think when you see that Georgia has a chance to go play at Bama again, get some revenge, that's – there's a lot of revenge tour on this schedule. You get a chance to get revenge in Tuscaloosa 
You haven't won there since 2007. Um, haven't beaten them in the regular season since then either. And you get some revenge at Ole Miss, and you get to get some revenge against Texas. I think that's pretty appealing. Here's here's what <clears> – <throat> and, Wes, guys, correct me here if I'm wrong, but I got a text from a buddy who's a season ticket holder who goes to a lot of games, and he said, Rusty – read this. He said, Rusty, we got a great schedule, but you do understand if we go 10-2 and two and say we're a nine seed, we would play three more playoff games on the road. So you start talking about travel, you know? So, I mean, there's a they lot – one of them would be on the road in a true road atmosphere, but the, the yeah. ones beyond that would be neutral site. No, no different than yeah, but it, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be in Athens though. Correct. You know I mean? Correct. So we're talking about three more times you're going to get in a car if Georgia wins or a plane to go see them. So I think, you know, I don't think the true Georgia fan is really upset with this schedule. Like, let's go ahead and let's find out. We are the big dogs. Let's let's buckle it up and find out. I think you look at the schedule, and there's a lot. It would take a. It takes a lot of money to be a Georgia Bulldog fan already. <laughs> but you look at 2024. My goodness, if Georgia makes a run and say they play that last game to get to that point through the playoffs, there is no telling where. Georgia could end up. They could end up at Penn State in a wideout in December. A little. Well, hey, good I will, news. I will, I will say, though, that I have a hard time believing that Georgia goes through that gauntlet and everybody plays as expected. Even at 10 and 2, I don't think you're going as a 9 at that point. And he, and listen, he's probably been in the, the a little bit of something. <laughs> he's been in the song. <laughs> it's hey, and, and, it sounded and, good. It sounded and, good. But, uh, but I'm with you on that. Yeah. And the good news for your friend. The national championship games in Atlanta that year. Oh boy, that's there. You go. If you make it through all of that, <laughs> yeah. you can stumble down the road. You, you, you get rewarded with a neutral site home game. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, someone pointed out on Twitter, uh, engaging with Dogs HQ. Always appreciate that. That Georgia could potentially play Clemson twice. If you look at a potential CFP matchup, you could potentially play a team like Alabama uh, or Texas at least twice wrap your mind around that i mean things are going to change so quickly in 2024 i hope everyone's buckled in and has their uh affairs in order on the delta sky miles amex you might be using it a lot mm. um speaking of your delta sky miles amex start racking your points up <laughs> yeah, no doubt no doubt start racking your points up at uh, Breaking Tea if you need a new Georgia shirt. We all know you do. And uh, Palmer's got one on right now, our influencer. Let me get Palmer ISO'd here. Show the people at home. There you go. Philadelphia. We're trying to to sell shirts here, not to get people to tune out of the show. (laughs) (laughs) That may be a one of one or four green Philadelphia dog shirt. We're yet to confirm that. But head on over to Breaking Tea. Um, so many things to choose from. We're waiting on the Stetson shirts to uh, show back up. I'll be talking about him a little bit later in Chopping Wood. But uh, right now, I'm chopping wood about these shirts. All the team glory, glory to the championships gear that you could want over at Breaking Tea in red, white, black, gray, and Brock Bowers caricature style. Man, Georgia will probably be missing him in 2024. Head on over to Breaking Tea and uh, get yourself a nice T-shirt. 
Um, guys, when you uh, talk about the 2023 schedule, all this, all this scuttlebutt of how hard 2024 can be, I think people will now maybe look at this 2023 schedule and say, all right, Georgia, uh, you got a little bit easy this year, but we know what's coming. No one's feeling sorry for the dogs, but I think the context of 2024 and that gauntlet maybe will make people think a little bit differently about how easy this one is coming up. Nobody's complaining about the 2023 home schedule now. I can yeah. assure you of that. Nobody is pissed off about the, the, the home schedule, knowing what's coming in 24, for sure. And rightfully so. I mean, that's that. You know, I don't. I think everybody around the country is probably sated. Not just Georgia fans. I think everybody's like, yeah, okay, that's that's fair. You know, they're getting their they're getting their they're getting their due. Uh, they're they're making up for it. You know, and listen, I mean, the schedule would have been. Uh, we we've talked about it ad nauseum, but it would have been a lot better, obviously, looking if if Oklahoma had stayed on there. Now you don't have to really worry about that. You get you know a pass for this year in some respects, and then next year it's just it's just on, dude. So. I, I think that you know, all for all the crying that people did about uh, the schedule soft, uh, Georgia got its due. They make up for it. No, they did definitely. Uh, when you look at this 2023 team, I, I hinted at Brock Bowers being missed in 2024. Who do you think will be ready to step up in 2024? That uh, maybe maybe their junior year, eyeing uh, an improvement season to get ready for the league or someone we're not talking about right now who could be a big dog in 2024 that might make people not worry so much about how tough that schedule is. I mean, you're going to have Malachi Starks and Michael Williams still on that defense. Those are the first two guys that come to mind for me. Yeah. yeah I mean, Jalen Walker is somebody that I think will be asked to step into a much bigger role that season um, because you're looking at, Georgia's linebackers for this year, and it's you feel good about it, uh, you know, with Jamon Dumas Johnson and Smile Munden there, uh, both returning after finishing first and second on the team in tackles. Odds are they're probably both gone, and then you're turning the, you know, page to Jalen Walker, Raylan Wilson, CJ Allen, CJ Allen, Raylan Wilson are two Z guys. Davian Sori, I mean, yep. And and let's be honest, they're not going to lose everybody. Um, right. know, they're going to have a Cedric Van Pran or two, not, not him specifically. He's going to be gone, but like, they're going to have a guy that's going to surprise you by coming back or two or three. Um, it's not going to be Brock Bowers or Cedric Van Pran. If it is, there needs to be a parade. You know, I mean, it'll be a, um, you know, it'll be a Dominic Lovett or, or a Lad McConkey or something or somebody. Arian Smith, Ra Ra Thomas. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah, something like that. Um, you know, I mean, it's not going to be what we've, we, we've seen mass exoduses. Okay. And, and, and there'll be a lot of guys that leave early, but they're going to bring some dudes back. And, um, you know, the, I think the big thing is, is you start looking at trying to travel to Tuscaloosa, try to travel to Texas. The big part is going to be that offensive line. If they, they need to try and get one guy to stay. Um, because they, they've got a chance to lose four. Now, granted, they lose four. They still bring back two because they're going to play Austin Blasky. They're going to play Ernest Green. Um, they're probably going to play Dylan Fairchild. You know, they're going to get some guys some experience this year um, to be able to handle those things. Uh, but I think that's the one thing you look at is they could lose four really good offensive linemen at the end of this year. I mean, it's not even – it's not even um, – 
they're going it to is, lose more. Yeah, I mean, it's probable. I mean, it's it's yeah. uh, you'd bet on it. And this so, schedule, yeah. this this schedule in twenty three though, I think sets up so beautifully for what you just said, which yeah, is the, which is which is the experience factor. You're going to probably be able to get some of these guys in and play reps when the band's playing that probably wouldn't have if you know the schedule was a little bit tougher. But I think you're going to have a pretty deep and pretty experienced team by the time that the regular season ends this year. And uh, I think that that sets up beautifully for Georgia, not just going into, you know, whatever postseason there is for them this year, but moving into that 2024 schedule as well. I think that they're going to have a lot of guys that have a lot of reps under their belt in meaningful time. Yeah, it's almost how like in 2021, Nicobe Dean and Jordan Davis and all those guys were off the field by the third quarter, mid midway through the third quarter, and you saw – some of the younger guys step up and get reps. I think that that's absolutely on the money, Roos. You could have a very similar effect there and see guys that could be the face of the defense, face of the offense in 2024. We'll see what happens at quarterback, and that's where things could really get interesting. If uh, Carson Beck decides to stay for whatever reason, gets hurt, uh, I mean, that's where you want to talk about some question marks plus the two top dogs coming in as freshmen in Raiola and Puglisi. Woo! Mm. No, I mean, I can tell you. The, way, the tone with which you just said that, Wes, is something that's kind of baffling me about the whole quarterback thing. Because it really does seem that there is this assumption. And listen, I, I've, I've got a high opinion of Carson Beck. I think he's going to have a really good season. I really do. But there's this assumption. It's like, oh, man, you know, Carson Beck's gone after this year. And – I don't know, man. That's a hard leap for me to make. Um, you know, th there aren't many of those guys. I got to see it too. Even, I had to Anthony see it. Richardson started a year and a half. Now, I'll tell you this: if you better hope he's leaving, because that 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 spells some really huge things for this season. You know it what does. I'm saying? Well, if, if he's not more, I also think he can go out there and have a really good season and be like, "Hey, I need to come back and do it again." If, um, if because we've seen some guys go one year. We've seen some guys go one year and get drafted, and that's fine. That's great. But there are way more that the NFL has rewarded, especially with Carson Beck's skill set, especially with being a pocket-passing quarterback, way more out there that get rewarded for 26, 30, 35, 40 starts at the college level as opposed to going out there and starting 14 or 15. Yep. If Carson Beck is gone, he has had a Mac Jones 2020-like season. And that will – I mean, like you said, Roos, that will be incredible for Georgia's offense. If I'm Carson Beck, I'm I'm hoping things are going because those offensive linemen that I know, and <laughs> a, couple of, a couple of them that I live with. And Brock Bowers. Are rolling, and Brock Bowers is leaving. <laughs> yeah. If they say, hey, look, we've got you in the fifth, come on. You know, I'm, I'm probably going to leave. I mean, he's going to be a fourth-year guy. You know what I mean? So – all the weapons are in place. The schedule's in place. He's got – I think Georgia's offensive line is the best in the country. I, I really do. And when you look at that and we watch the spring game, when you give him time to do what he does, is he Stetson? He's not Stetson. He's not going to kill you with his legs. Uh, he's, got a, he's got a bigger arm than Stetson. He's six foot, what, three, six foot four. Uh, brings a different skill set like uh, Rhodes has said. So, I think when you look at Carson Beck, Everything is in place for him to be a one-and-done, basically. Everything's there. I mean, they are absolutely loaded on the offensive side of the ball, in my opinion, especially on the outside. And you got Brock Bowers, period. So you, you take Marvin Harrison and Brock Bowers, to me, 
minus a quarterback, those are the two best players in college football you know, outside the quarterback position. So, um, you know, yes, I'm with you, Wes. I've got to see him take a meaningful minute. I've got to see him take a meaningful season. But if I'm Carson Beck, my mindset right now is light this thing up and get out of here with my boys because everybody that I came in with and everybody I live with and everybody I roll with is rolling out of town. I'll tell, you guys, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you guys this. TV folks would love nothing more than to see Arch Manning versus Dylan Rayola in that Georgia-Texas oh, matchup. And, and, I'm, and I'm, not saying, I'm not saying that Dylan Rayola is going to start as a freshman. That's what that would require. But the, I mean, Palmer, the top Tom, quarterback in the country. Palmer Tom's on record on the show tonight. Oh, <laughs> Riola Manning, 24. Book it, folks. There I will mean, be t-shirts. What, <laughs> I mean, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't that the graphic that we saw for the Georgia-Texas game from on three? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, but oh, yeah. The, oh, yeah. the graphic team, I love them, but you know what? They're, they're playing some games. They're getting some people to <laughs> – they're getting the they're throwing their little hooks out there. Uh, D- Brian Bivens says David Pollock is really high on Beck this year. Yep, he says I am too. I am too. I just New York. I, I just I, I have a I'm I'm gonna need to see some things before I before we start talking about Mac Jones and leaving after one year and all of that stuff. I just need to see a few things. That's all. You know, more, more than more than mop up do. I don't think that Carson Beck has to be a second rounder to leave. No. If, if he's a fourth rounder, this guy's a fourth year guy. Um, it's time to go, in my opinion. Now, I'm not calling saying this guy's leaving, but I don't think he has to be Mac Jones and be that high of a pick. You know what I mean? If he has a, if he gets a fourth round grade and he feels confident with that and he, he had a really good year, um, you know, and Georgia got deep in this thing, maybe they didn't three peat, but they got deep into this thing, had a couple of good, you know, big time games. I, I'm just telling you, man, the, the, the pieces in place for this guy. And they're going to they're, – it doesn't mean they're going to take a drop-off talent-wise, but they're going to have a big drop-off experience-wise uh, to open that season uh, in Mercedes-Benz with Clemson. So uh, we'll see where Carson Beck is. But I get what you're saying, Jake. You know what I mean? He's He's got to prove it, and we've said it. You guys have said it. I've said it in every interview. Not one person in that room has taken a snap behind on the scoreboard or in a big-time 330 SEC game uh, in the first quarter. Miriam Corbin says, Dylan will wipe up the floor with art. I love the fire, Miriam. <laughs> William Griffin says, Gunner opens up at Clemson. So that'll be fun to watch, fellas. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's move on to some Cruton news really quick before we uh, get on to some chopping wood and wrap up for tonight. Um, guys, it's uh, a big Elite 11 quote week, apparently. Ryan Puglisi and Dylan Riola, uh, very excited for their Georgia future, but they're locked in on this competition with uh, some really other talented dudes in this Elite 11 finals competition. Yeah, I, I really liked actually what I heard from Ryan Puglisi today when you compared it to a lot of the guys that they spoke to. All these guys were saying, I'm built for it. I'm ready for the bright lights. Ryan Puglisi said, I'm going to go out here and do my best. I mean, like that was like, like he's, there's no, there's no like pretense with the kid. He's just like, I, I, I tell people all the time, cool as a cucumber, man. Oh, just man. really just guys. Holy, plus, did y'all, sorry. Did y'all see the ad up there in the top right of the screen? American express. They're listening to us. All right, sorry, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> um, 
But no, I love I love this f- stuff from Puglisi, and I encourage people to get over to to um, Dogs HQ and check out uh, the piece I did with Charles Power and what he was looking for for both of these guys. Uh, I think that it's really insightful as to you know where these guys stand right now, skill wise, and what they can do to take it to the next level. Um, had some glowing things to say about each of them, but also there's some questions about each and. Uh, I think that, you know, Charles is is one of the best in the game when it comes to evaluation. So I'm really interested to hear his thoughts post uh, Elite 11 as well, because uh, Georgia got uh, a couple of really, really good ones in this class and uh, represent out there in a big way in what's a, a really good group and a wide open group, Charles said. You know, uh, this is one where a lot of people can still seize that number one quarterback spot. It's not a slam dunk for Riola. People want to. You know, obviously Georgia fans want to see him finish there, but, you know, they're looking for what he's going to do in this setting and then over the course of his senior year is big as well. Yeah, there's nothing like – no one like Charles Power, dude. He is – his brain is just wired for this in a way that uh, not many brains are. I I don't understand it, but um, that's what the Lord made him to do, I believe. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Guys, uh, some – Big recruiting news since we all met last. And uh, Rusty and Jake Rowe, y'all did a great job picking up that instant news um, on the D-line for the Dogs in 2024. Yeah, Jordan Thomas, uh, young man at Don Bosco. And I think, um, you know, a guy that we had on uh, with uh, Bark After Dark, Matt Godwin, former director of player personnel. And you know, little, little, little things. He texted me yesterday and said, or the day before, and said, Hey, listen, I had uh, Kirby had time for one guy to sit with him at a basketball game in uh, in January. And uh, he said, Kirby said, Tell me who. And he said, Jordan Thomas. And he goes, Okay. So, you know, the 30 minutes that Kirby Smart sat with that young man before he had to leave that building. That, I'm not saying that did everything for that, but <clears throat> certainly those types of decisions and to understand how valuable that player is in early January is why you get someone like that on January the 13th or June the 13th. Uh, but I'm telling you, man, there's only so many of these guys. And uh, Roosh, I can't say what Roosh texts me, but <laughs> he especially said, Blankety blank, three twenty-five. And I said, <laughs> yes, he's not two sixty-seven, as his profile said. So, uh, and he carries it well. He's six foot five and a half. And uh, you know, Jake Rowe, this is his—that's his game to watch tape. And you see a big man like that running down a screen, and you see what he can do inside, making moves, winning one-on-one. That's just another huge, huge win for Georgia. Uh, Trey Scott and Fran Brown. My favorite part of that clip right there, that first one, yeah, the effort was great, but uh, when he just goes full blown pterodactyl right before making the tackle, yeah. and you just see the you just see the arms spread way out and him wrap around him, and he wraps around he he wraps him up and picks his own nose at the same time. I mean, that's that's unreal. He's so long, big kid, man, and and he can. You know, one of the things that Rusty and I covered, and I keep harping on this, this cat can wear a lot of hats. He's He's a he's a rich man. He's got the potential to be a rich man Zion Logue in that regard because he can play the four eye. He can play three technique. He can play over the nose. He can do a lot of different things for you. Line up it, you know, on the tackle and and, and inside. So I I love that about him, and I think that's the kind of guy Georgia needs in a class where it wants to bring in maybe five guys. 
And don't forget, too, this is a guy who was practicing just a year ago against Chase Bysantis, who uh, went to Texas A&M and who Georgia really coveted in that last class, really liked that kid. Uh, so he's going against some real talent up there. I know people like knock on the Northeast a little bit. Don Bosco is one of those programs to play anybody anywhere. Uh, and they do, and they do, and they do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he know. looks mean. And what did Godwin confirm that Georgia – Kirby Smart, Nick Saban, all those elite coaches, they look for wide rear ends when they recruit these guys, and he looks like he was ready to fit in uh, on that Giants turf in that clip we saw a minute ago. He's a big dude, no doubt about it. No, I I, I love the pickup for Georgia. I think that uh, Jordan Thomas, a great one in this class. And uh, listen, you know, South Carolina wanted this kid, Penn State, Michigan. I mean, there were a lot of top schools that were in for this guy and pressing heavily. And uh, Georgia brings him in and shout out to Fran Brown, man. Uh, Mm -hmm. Just an absolute, turning out to be an absolute ace for Georgia across the board. I mean, you lock up Ellis Robinson. Yeah, sure. No big deal. What do you need me to go do? Dip into the Northeast, go back home and pick you up a D tackle too. Yeah, I can do that as well. So uh, just, just a killer recruiter and a guy who's proven his worth in a big way for Georgia. Yeah, don't get don't get caught up. One of my buddies texted me and said, "Oh, you know, glad we beat out Rutgers for this guy. Look at the teams that have offered him, though. No. You know, no, no. Look, he was he was never going to Rutgers. <laughs> yeah, he he drove by Rutgers on the way to the airport to go visit places. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, any other recruiting loose ends y'all want to tie up? Rusty and I are going to have some things tomorrow later on in the week but uh it's been a it's been a big week for schedule talk obviously and georgia just keeps humming along with these commitments it's really something to watch yeah and you i mean you saw a tweet out tonight from uh makai borio i believe is how we're saying his last name um he's a, a big guy out of creekside down there in fairburn uh, a lot of guys have come out of there over the years and said hey look i'm not going to michigan this weekend I'm going to be at the University of Georgia, and I'm going to commit on Monday. Now, is that a, does that mean slam dunk for Georgia? I don't know. I'm just saying that's not a bad sign. <laughs> so I was at Georgia Tech today for the Corky Kell 7-on-7, seven seven, and Creekside was there. So I asked the coach about him. I said, what's the deal? And he goes, I'll tell you this. You better watch Michigan. And I said, okay. And he said, they, Jim Harbaugh came, you know, uh, is heavily on him. Michigan's on him hard. Florida, he goes, if Georgia really wants him, they might be hard to beat. And then I get home and lo and behold, he's got a tweet out. So this guy is six foot five, and I'm not going to get into his personal business, but he is north of 370. So uh, that is a one percentile human. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the guys you see, the Jordan Thomases and those guys that can play, and the Justin Greens and those type of guys that can play outside, they can move around where they got to have a big anchor in the middle with that crowd to kind of create those one-on-ones for them. So you look at a guy like this, I saw him play for Creekside. He started his high school at Lovejoy. Georgia offered as a freshman. George was on him a little while, kind of backed off a little bit because he gained some weight, but he showed last year at Creekside he can play like that. He's a disruptor, and then obviously he needs to lose some weight, and he will in college. But uh, there's Me just, too, buddy. Me too. There's, there's, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> You'd be a great anchor too there uh, in the inside. I just don't know if you're sick. Get rolled over, dude. I think uh, I'll tell you this too, and I mentioned it on the last show uh, about Del McGee. Trey Scott heard the slander, buddy. 
Trey Scott. Yeah. Trey Scott came into June and said, "I, I, yes. let's go, let's I'm, go. You want to go? Let's go." Yeah, I tell you, you I, I tell you what I love about that that big nose tackle kid. His last name sounds like a breed of mastiff. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> sounds like it sounds like a certain breed of a mastiff, of a bulldog of some sort, a Boreo bulldog or something. Yeah, so, a Boreo. Yeah. No, somebody who, who there's been no slander about in Glenn Schumann, uh, you know, got a target that's announcing his commitment tomorrow. Um, between Joseph Phillips between Auburn, Clemson, Georgia. Tennessee and Texas A&M between between Georgia and Auburn in my opinion it's not nobody else really in that thing and I, that one's going to come down to the wire I think yeah visited both those schools three times he's taken his official visit to UGA I think Georgia had a lot of momentum here but let me phrase this he is from Tuskegee Alabama which is about 25 minutes from Auburn and, uh, you know, right now for me, you know, as we as we take this on Wednesday night, I would have to probably say Auburn. And, that, and, and that's kind of to where I made the point on our message board to, to do the RPMs. If I would have done RPM on him, our recruiting prediction machine on on three for the last 10 days, it probably would have been Georgia. Uh, but th- these things aren't over. So don't people get too bit out of shape with this right now? I would say Auburn has a lot of momentum on this deal and could very well end up at Auburn. But you know, Glenn Schumann is not going to win every one of those battles. And let's be honest, people are walking into the living rooms on these OVs and said, they just got Raylan Wilson, Troy Bowles, and CJ Al. You know what I mean? And, you know, they got other guys in front of them. So they're, they're battling that depth chart stuff with that. And I feel confident Georgia, they're trying to hold on to Demarcus Riddick um, and see if that happens. But I feel confident at the end of the day, Georgia will at least sign two inside backers uh, for this class. But, uh, it's going to be interesting. They're going to have two more guys in town this weekend. We will have an update on the, the OV visit list probably uh, no later than Thursday evening uh, for this weekend. So, But they will have two guys at that position this weekend, so we'll see what happens. So we should know tomorrow on um, on uh, Phillips. Uh, yeah, where, just where he, Phillips. Yep, yeah. Just, yep. Um, and I, I'll say this, too, about the Auburn thing with uh, with um, – uh, Phillips here. Uh, I, I think, uh, I'm sorry, we were Justin Williams is who we were talking about as well. Justin also, Williams. Justin Williams. Yeah. Uh, Joseph Phillips is, I, I think it's, I think it's fair to say that he is a bigger need for Auburn than he is for Georgia. And they're able, not only are they I close, mean, to home, not only are they close to home, but they need to win a battle like that close to home. Uh, that's the kind of thing that they have to do to kind of get back on the right track and uh, be who, be who Auburn wants to be. And so I think that it does mean probably more to the Tigers uh, in that race. Um, Georgia's going to be okay without him um, if if it ends up going that way. But um, I, I'm not saying they don't want him by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but I, I do think that it's the case that, that Auburn probably needs him more than Georgia does. 100%. Need is certainly a, a big word to use for Georgia and an, out, for a, Georgia and an inside linebacker. Because right. they've got, yeah. you know, I mean, we talked about it earlier, talking about what they might lose this this year uh, with, with Jamon Dumas Johnson and, and Smile Munden. There's there's plenty behind them too. Yeah. William Phillips asks, "Is this going to be the fastest team under Kirby, both offense and defense?" Rusty, I've heard you say this is, you know, if you're going to sum up this team right now from what you've seen and heard, athletic is the first word that comes to mind. Is it the Man. fastest though? Man, they are. Um, I don't know if you can line them up like 40 times and who knows G- 
the best read at Georgia, if I could get that information, which I can't, would be those GPS readings. You know, where are they at with those guys daily with those vests on? But I will tell you this, with the addition of Dominic Lovett, Lad McConkey coming back, being healthy, Arian Smith, healthy. Uh, you look at the guys they've got now uh, in the secondary, they've added and some of these guys. They are explosive, man. They are very explosive on offense. And, you know, running back right now is a concern. But if you want to talk about outside the edge and what Georgia is at wide receiver, they've got some guys that's going to give some defensive coordinators headaches because um, I'm, I'm excited to see Ladd McConkey and Dominic Lovett in the same uh, package because both of them are they're just jitterbugs and they got ball skills and they're just hard to cover. And, um, you know, so I, I think with Georgia, I don't know if they're the fastest on paper 40 wise, but I'm confident in saying this will be the most explosive, uh, especially offensive group of skill set that they're going to bring to the table this year. Game speed. Uh, Rusty, your guy, Drew Miller is taking a visit this weekend. Uh, Big Man. punter, official visit here. And then Georgia's a, got a, a hard listen. Florida commit, Xavier Phil Same. How, how do I say that? Yeah, Phil Same, I believe, is correct. Yep. Hey, look, dogs uh, had a pretty good time with the Florida Gator commit last weekend. I'm circling that Aiden Breeland visit is the big one. Yes. This, this is this is the one Georgia. They they not only did they covet that guy, he's he's a real deal. And yeah. Uh, I mean, that's the one that you really want to knock out of the park this week. And and they've got some – in my opinion, I think they've had some good momentum with him too. He's visited several times. He's kind of gone out of his way. Del McGee's been out there seeing Nate Frazier, so they've spent some time out there as well. I mean, there's a lot working in Georgia's favor. You know, Oregon, I see them in there. That's going to be a compelling option for him too. Miami's going to be in it for anybody they want to be at this point uh, as well. But uh, Georgia and Breland – Definitely has my interest peak. That dude's neck is like a railroad tie, dude. Dude, go hold on. Go Wes, scroll down. There's a go find a, the uh the, go to the stories of this kid. There's uh there's photos of him that make him look like he is. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. That one, the second one. Yeah, yeah. Wraps up his uh my look at this cat. Yeah, that that's like, a full grown a, murder dude, hornet. That's a that's a grown man. That is yeah. not there. That kid is not in high school. That guy, that guy works at a rail yard. And, uh, and, and yeah, Uncle Aiden, baby. Uncle Aiden. We are way off topic right here. <laughs> that, guy, Aiden, dude, that guy is built different, man. Uh, if, if, if all of us walked into a store with him, we'd be the only five carded. I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> no yes. Can you go back, west and pull up? Can you pull up Nair Daniels, the offensive tackle on the visit list for this weekend? I believe he's on there. I want, yeah. you, to look at the, I want you to look at the size of this young man. I think this is the one – uh, for the weekend, I'm watching on on that side. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get back, sir. Okay, I think he is six uh, eight, probably, and he's another uh, New Jersey. He's another New Jersey kid. And Stacy Searles has been up there twice to see him. And Fran Brown's involved in this one. And really, when you look at this one, Jaden Riddell was actually there last weekend, and we'll fix that. But you look at Nair Daniels. I just went in and changed it. What we got listed? He, so we list him at six seven and a half, three seventy one. Uh, so again, when I start talking about one percentile humans and he's from New Jersey, uh, so, and you look at this thing, Penn state, 
Interesting here, Georgia will have him this weekend. Then he goes to Texas next weekend. Uh, I talked to Jerry Hamilton of our Inside Texas site this morning. We talked about a little bit with him. So this is a guy for me. There's only so many of these kind of tackles around. And if Georgia were able to get him this weekend and get him locked in for this class, that would be a literally a massive piece. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yeah. Huge. I'm uh, got a comment here about not wanting to talk about top receivers. I don't think that's a sore subject in the 2023 class or 2024 for Georgia. No, I mean, uh, you got Amari Jefferson coming into OV this weekend. And look, I say what you want about the guy's ranking. Uh, Alabama, Tennessee, and Georgia are absolutely slugging this one out, man. Um, so I don't don't think for a second that that kid's, you know, uh, toast uh, toast out here. I mean, you've got – I, in my opinion, I think Georgia's sitting fine at wide receiver right now, and I think they'd like to add another one. So I'm interested to see how they do it. But, yeah, I mean, are we talking five-star guys? Because right at, at this moment, I, I don't feel great about any of those right at this moment. No, and, and listen – Lad McConkey, would Georgia take anybody for him? I mean, right. you know what I mean? And uh, this day and age, what did Georgia need this year? They needed wide receivers. They lost A.D. Mitchell. What did they get? They went out and got Ra Ra Thomas and Dominic Lovett. So the portal is important. It's not life or death. I mean, obviously you want to build within your own program, but Georgia's attractive. And with these quarterbacks, whoever gets this job and whoever plays, they're going to know that they're going to be confident Georgia's going to have a quarterback room, and that's important. So uh, I know Brian McClendon's on some guys. Uh, I think this wide receiver class as a whole is down a little bit, so it drives, you know, the tension up on some of these guys that are left. Uh, but I think right now um, Dylan Bell is a guy. Listen, Dylan Bell, and I'll tell you this, Matt Godwin told me, another who's a great source, that Todd Munkin stood on the table and – he worked him out himself, and Todd Munkin has a wide receiver background, oh, by the way, too. And he was the one that told Kirby Smart, we need to sign Dylan Bell. So tuck that one away here in a couple of years because Dylan Bell, some of the some of the summer buzz on him, too, and he wasn't a, he wasn't a four-star everyday uh, guy. So you, you just, just don't get into panic mode about wide receivers right now. I'm pretty confident Georgia's got some, some depth and some really good players if they can keep those guys healthy. Trust the evals. All right, let's chop some wood really quick. And uh, I know Jake Rowe needs to go to bed. Hey, I will go first, though. I want to chop yeah. wood on the 2025 schedule because as much pissing and moaning as is going on about the 2024 schedule, bet bet on it. 2025 is going to be pretty loaded. Um, it, it has to be on the comeback. So get ready for that, especially if the SEC goes to uh, nine games. You know, you'll probably get some consideration with Georgia getting three. You maybe get five SEC home games. It's going to be absolutely loaded. Get excited. Uh, two couple years down the road. Not only that, Georgia gets to go to UCLA early in the year as well. So that'll be a lot of fun. But I wanted to chop wood on that 2025 schedule because I know that it, the 2024, comparatively, if you look at what Texas gets to do, if you look at what Alabama gets to do, it does kind of suck compared to those schools. 
but uh, it'll be better in 2025. So if you are a Hartman fund person or whatever, and you're trying to rack up some points, you're getting close. You need to get over a threshold, uh, take out a loan, talk to your brother-in-law, get it figured out. (laughs) Um, I'll chop wood about Stetson Bennett. We haven't spoken about him in a few weeks. I'm having some Stetson Bennett withdrawals here. Cooper cup was tongue in cheek when he said that, I think, no, maybe he's telling the truth. He said that Stetson Bennett is the most athletic quarterback on the Rams roster who went to Georgia. And that's probably not a lie because I imagine Stetson is more athletic than Matthew Stafford. But the true part of this is Cooper Cup is actually bragging on Stetson Bennett for the throws that he's making at Rams workouts right now. And uh, L.A. fans are loving this guy already. He's already brought this mailman mystique with him from Athens to Rams camp, and I, I really believe this. In the NFL, guys are going to get a chance when they're backup quarterbacks because someone gets hurt, uh, someone's helmet pops off, something happens. Don't give Stetson Bennett a chance and don't underestimate him because I can't wait to see it happen. He's already doing special things, it sounds like. I will chop wood about Wes Johnson and his introductory press conference yesterday. Um he, it's safe to say he won the press conference. Um, just just looking at the reaction from folks on the board, uh, being there in person and, and listening to him, you know, already selling Georgia. He's he's not yet, uh, you know, completely settled in in Athens. He's got a little bit of business uh, to finish up in, in Baton Rouge first, and, and not Baton Rouge, in Omaha uh, with the Tigers there. But as he's been balancing it, I really like to squat on this. Uh, he, he's been balancing – his responsibilities at LSU as their pitching coach and at Georgia as the next head coach. He said, I wake up really early. I go to bed really late and I drink a lot of caffeine in the middle. I mean, that that's somebody that's working hard. Um, you know, you've got to love that as a Georgia fan. He also said, um, as somebody that's been around the SEC, been around college baseball before, um, you know, he knows if you're going to be good, you're going to recruit the state of Georgia. I mean, he's got – an upper hand there uh, being in the state of Georgia. So um, chopping wood about Wes Johnson. You can watch him in the college world series. See what his tigers do. All right. I'm going to chop wood about Georgia's recruiters. And I talked about this briefly earlier, but like I said, Trey Scott heard the slander. Del McGee heard the slander. They've answered the bell in such huge ways. There were people that were questioning these guys coming into this summer and saying, can Georgia's running back room get back to where it should be historically? Look, you flip a guy from Florida that Georgia's been chasing for months. You got Dwight Phillips, who's a burner, and you're in it still with a couple of really standout guys. And Nate Frazier and Christian Clark is a guy I keep telling people not to take off the board, especially if the Frazier thing doesn't go away from Georgia. You're in good shape there uh, when it comes to the uh, running back room. Then uh, you talk about the D-line. Everybody's saying, Trey Scott, oh, gosh, he's having to take these guys and elevate them. Well, then he goes out and he adds two four-stars, a tremendous player in Justin Green just down the road. And then, oh, yeah, we can reach up to uh, to New Jersey as well and pull a guy out of the Northeast with the help of Fran Brown. Like I said, those guys have really answered the call. There's not a lot of weak links in this Georgia recruiting uh, when it comes to this coaching staff. And you maybe couldn't have said that last year because Todd Munkin, that wasn't his specialty. With these guys, 
I don't think that's the case anymore. They are pretty deadly, and uh, they're answering the call, like I said, early here in the summer. I'm going to chop wood, and I'm going to partner in with Dylan Brooks here on Sokovi White, uh, UGA commit out of Cass High School. Um, he is from a family of very, very deep Alabama fans, and I know his family. I know his story, and this young man is 1,000% committed to Georgia. I had a chance to watch him again today. Um, and listen, he loves football. And I'm telling you, this kid made play after play after play today. Comes up, first thing, shows me a highlight, and he goes, hey, check out this morning. You know, he's just smiling. He like, starts talking about other players on his team, like, hey, this guy's good, this guy's good. You know, already promoting his other players. I turn around and watch Cass, and not only is he playing wide receiver, he turns around and plays corner. He doesn't want to come off the field. And my experience in this – his kids, he's never once asked me what he what he, why he's ranked or why he's ranked, ever. Every time I see him, he's in a great mood, and he loves football. And I'm telling you right now, that's invaluable. In today's game, you get a guy that's got that quote-unquote dog in him. So Kobe White's got that. Um, he's converted his family. I think the last time I saw his mom and him at the Corky Kell luncheon, they had a house divided tag with Alabama and Georgia, and he said that is coming off. It's going to have a G on the front of that car. Uh, I'm sure that's the case now. So you're talking about a great kid. And, uh, you know, I don't know how much we'll get to interview him, you know, over when he comes into Athens. Uh, but I'm telling you right now, this guy is a great kid. He's super polished. But, man, he is a hell of a football player, and Georgia fans are really, really going to like Sakovi White. Don't worry about where he's ranked. Don't even know where he's ranked right now, but I can tell you this. That kid's a damn good football player. I want to piggyback real quick to a quick chap, an, an extra chapping wood uh, based off of that because I had meant to mention this quote today. Uh, Ryan Puglisi talking about NIL and said, at the end of the day, you picked up a football for a reason. Going into your freshman year, you weren't going to college to try and get paid. You played football because you loved it. That's a pretty refreshing quote to hear. In that quote world. made so many dads across America just weep. Tears of joy, I bet. Um, get your dad a Dogs HQ membership. We will have a link in this show's description. You can now gift memberships to Dogs HQ. That's brand new, um, and your dad deserves it. So head on over. It is one month for one dollar for three months of access, forty nine ninety nine for a year. And maybe you don't want to give it to your dad. Maybe. Uh, Maybe you want to buy it for yourself. That's okay, too. We have a lot of great premium info, message board, hilarity, and uh, hijinks, but it's also uh, fun to be a dog right now, just in general. These are the good years. These are the good days. Don't get too hung up on that tough 2024 schedule. It's still fun to be a dog, and we are really loving every minute at dogshq.com. So join us. This is free stuff. If you like this, You'll love Dogs HQ. Uh, for Rusty, Mountain Jake, Jake Rowe, Palmer. Hope you all have a great evening. Happy Father's Day. We'll catch you again on Sunday evening, 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Peace. Give Dad a steak. That's right. Ribeye, medium rare. <laughs> 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.